In the context of our text for today, we recall that Jesus had just finished washing his disciples' feet when the mood in the room suddenly changed. The look on Jesus' face and the sound of his voice gave testimony to his troubled spirit. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, one of you will betray me. And as the bread was received in Judas' hand, the devil was received in Judas' heart. And once Judas had crossed that threshold and his footsteps could no longer be heard on the stairs, Jesus spent the time that remained between the giving of the bread to the receiving of the kiss to prepare his disciples for his death so that those who had been with him from the beginning might remain in him until the end. I will be with you only a little longer, Jesus said, so it's time that I give you a new command. Love one another. Love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another. Christians are to love one another. <laughs> what was Jesus thinking? He must not have taken Ham 1, obviously. He didn't know that telling the people what they should and should not do potentially violates the law-gospel balance. Wouldn't it have been better if Jesus would have stopped in the sermon of his life when he talked about his love for his friends instead of taking that final step into the murky realm of Christian living and exhorting them to love one another as well? At this late date in his ministry, wouldn't it make sense simply to allow the gospel to predominate? You see, my friends, we must not be like the typist. We must not be like the typist who, focusing on the individual keys, loses her ability to type. Nor should we be like the student of music who, concentrating too intensely on the pitch and tone of the individual notes, misses the symphony. For Jesus, in our text for today, speaks of his ministry not in parts, but instead as a whole. All that he has taught, all that he has said, all that he has done at this moment in time as he is leaving the upper room with his disciples focuses down to the point of a laser collapsing in upon itself to form a singularity of divine truth. A singularity of divine truth that was not his own, but one that had been given to him by his Father to proclaim. A truth that he decided to pass on to his friends, for he knew what was about to occur. He knew that as he was telling his disciples about the love that he desired them to have for one another, that Judas was out traveling through the city, going to betray him once again, going to lead the soldiers to his place of prayer so that he might be bound and taken and slain. Only a few moments were left. What would you tell your loved ones 
if you only had moments that remained. Jesus decided that his words would focus around love. His Father's love for him, his love for his friends, and his friends' love for one another. I wish it weren't true. I wish Jesus would have stopped. It would have made it much easier if it was only about the love that he has shown us in his sacrifice. It would have been a lot easier if Jesus says, I love you, I forgive you, it doesn't make a difference, do what you want, I've forgiven all sins, hate one another if you want, my blood covers it all. Because then at least his message would have been consistent with my life. I'm not frequently a loving person. I'm frequently a selfish, self-loving person. I've learned through many years and much theater how to make it look like I'm a loving person. But in my heart, it's always about me. It's always about, can I sit at Jesus' right hand or his left? It's always about, am I the best in whatever particular field it might be? It's always about, does Jesus love me more than the others? How often do we think about our brothers in need? How often do we act with love, the love that we have been given? How I wish wish it weren't true, but the cold, hard fact is this, that love is not only something that we are given, but it is something that we are expected, even commanded to give. But how? How are we to love as we have been loved? The answer to that might be a surprise. For in our text for today, as well in the other writings of John, we discover something very special and somewhat strange. We discover that not only is love the command, but it is also the key to our obedience and the fulfillment of it. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. And in John 14, 23, if anyone loves me, he will obey my commands. If you obey my commands, you remain in my love. If you remain in my love, you obey my commands. You see, the circle, my friends, is complete. The circle of love has been circumscribed into this world by Jesus Christ, and within its circumference is the overwhelming reality of God's divine love for us, love that radiates from the Father to and through the Son, permeating the lives of his disciples and manifesting itself in fruit-producing obedience. And yes, that is exactly what I said. Regardless of how I read the text, love leads to obedience, and obedience leads to fruitfulness. This is a pattern we find both in the life of Christ and in the lives of those who remain in him 
and who remain in his love. But you see, my friends, before you can remain in the love of Christ, bearing the lasting fruit that we have been appointed to bear, first we must dwell within that love. How do we find our habitation in the house of the love of God? How do we dwell within Christ and within his love? How do we find our abode in Jesus Christ and the love that he has brought so that in turn we might then remain in it? Well, it's not through our choice, as our text says. For Jesus tells us that we did not choose him, but instead he chose us. Nor is it in the fact that we first loved God, but it is simply because God first loved us. And as the greatest expression of that love, he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for your sins. This is the very thing that Jesus testifies to in this text for today when he proclaims to his disciples, greater love has no one than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. And that is exactly what Jesus was about to do for his friends who had gathered in the upper room. And it is exactly what he has done for his friends who are gathered in this room today. Jesus has shown us the greatest form of love. And through his obedience, he has made it possible that we too might obey. Obey the command of love, to love God and to love one another. This, my friends, is his command, that you love one another so that you might be filled with his joy and that your joy might be complete in him. In the end, it's all about love. Amen.